underneath to look at what they're working on and think is this a big enough problem that they're solving. We've got a lot of talented people, we've got amazing developers, we've got great people who are coming out from the business world who have got um, experience in, in business development and commercialization. Um, we've got some great quality CEOs but are they working on something that's big enough? So let's stop playing around with the small great fun app ideas that or double-sided marketplaces which does everyone's head in um, in terms of trying to onboard customers on both sides. But are they working on something that's going to fundamentally change or transform an industry or fundamentally change or transform an organisation? In startup land, thinking big is the only option. Your idea, that thing you may be about to dedicate your time, money, life and love to, has to solve a big problem, reach a global market and then dominate it, lest it be cast aside, forgotten or even worse, never seen at all. But it can be a lonely journey, and the power of people and connecting to ideas and networks can mean the difference between failure and triumph. And that's something Peter Ellis, the Chief Executive Officer of startup co-working space River City Labs, has seen over and over again. In this episode of the Telltale Podcast, Peter discusses why startups need to think big about their product, their market, and the amount of disruption they need to cause to ensure a foothold in their industry becomes the foundation for something far, far bigger. Join me, Kurt Sanders, and co-host Brittany Dreghorn as we find out what makes River City Labs tick. Let's start the show. Welcome to Telltale, the podcast where marketers can learn from interviews with fantastic storytellers. Peter Ellis, Chief Executive Officer of Brisbane tech startup community, River City Labs. Welcome to the Telltale podcast. Thank you for having me. No trouble at all. Thank you for coming along. How are you going? How is your beautiful new home in at the pr lovely precinct in the Fortitude Valley? Look, it's, it's really good. Um, aside from the stuff we've just been talking about, the acoustic management of such an amazing building. Uh, look, it's got its challenges, but there is absolutely nothing to complain about. We are trying to work out how we can fit more desks in our space because we didn't anticipate the amount of um, interest to come so quickly. So having a trouble, having difficulty fitting the amount of people in is a really good problem to have. So it I'm not about to start complaining, but um, we are still learning as well and adapting our own business model as we go because uh, the demand is, is quite different from what we thought, not only just for space, but in terms of what people are looking for and different partners. So. Yeah, we are just like a startup and evolving every day, so Yeah, and it's so exciting. Like the, the Brisbane startup communities just in the last just in the last couple of years has just boomed completely. You started there in two thousand and twelve in a general manager role. Mm -hmm. Take a step back a couple of years before that and tell us what you were up to and how what how you ended up with River City Labs and how that all began. Sure. Um, so I at the time I was running a PR agencies which was called City Publicity which had morphed into an online version of publicity or a public publicity agency. I'd run red, uh, red Carpet Projects, which was my PR agency. We did full service marketing PR and events uh, for about six years before that. And I saw the trend of online PR, uh, managing public profiles, a lot of social media management for companies and went into the online PR space and tried to automate a lot of the services, but it was way too early, <laughs> way too early for 
the market and for people to understand what that would look like and even forget to get businesses to understand that they needed a social um, presence online. A lot of them still did, thought it was just for playing um, and hanging out and talking to, to friends. They didn't realise the power of engaging with customers socially. What did a conversation with a company look like or sound like when you knew they needed to do it but back then they were like, why? Oh look, it, I, I, it's, I struggled. Um, I used to use a lot of international examples of, look, this is what other bigger brands are doing in, in other places. This is where online retail is going. I had a, quite a few PR clients who were in the retail space and I managed their public profile as individuals, maybe as designers and that sort of thing. Um, but even just trying to get people to have an online shop on their website was tough. And they always just said, no, our customers will always want to come in and experience the retail shopping experience or as far as Facebook, back then it was to have a Facebook page for your company was big and to get as many likes as possible <laughs> as you know or fans they were called um, and that's what really drove most of the strategy how to get fans on your Facebook page for business and um, and then there was you know a few negative parts of Facebook that people didn't like so I thought right we're not doing any social media for our business so it was it was trying to convince people on where their customers were and how to talk to them differently and how to engage with them on a social level, which was sort of unheard of, really. People didn't delve into their lives of their customers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because people are very still struggling with that. I think, you know, you're trying to get people to talk socially and yes. engage and not still trying to sell on social media and they still don't get it. So yeah. we're having the same problems. Like, yeah. I know, but at least you've got more examples to use and you've got yeah. more platforms. Definitely. I mean, I was on Twitter back in t 2007 when uh, we had a meetup group in Brisbane <laughs> called a Tweet Up and there was about 10 of us who'd meet because we were the only people in Brisbane on Twitter, which was pretty tragic. <laughs> was Kurt there? Yeah, I would have been. I would have been. And we meet at the cafe and to talk about, I don't know what, but just stuff that we didn't talk about. Emerging online. technology yeah. like Twitter. <laughs> yes, yes. Amazing. So no, I was doing PR, um, so I was trying to get people to switch to the online version and buy sort of off-the-shelf products online, so like, um, basically a format for a press release of which they could uh, enter their details and also online distribution of press releases. So I saw that it was a great way to write a press release and be able to select lists and distribute it uh, online, although Again, that was a bit too early. I didn't have the right tech to be able to do that well enough uh, or more streamlined or be able to scale it, I suppose. And people just want personal interaction. I, I was trying to avoid going to meetings because I hated them. They were a waste of time um, and they zapped too much of my own personal time where I could execute on things that mattered and I could charge more for. So I was trying to reduce the amount of human interaction in the PR process. Uh, but uh, it was just it not really working. I was getting jaded by the experience and just felt like I was selling other people's dreams and I could do better with my influence. Uh, I had a friend who was working at River City Labs and he was running a tech startup and he said, come and check out the space, maybe you could come in and work with some startups in here, which interested me because I, I was always thinking about different types of companies. Um, so I went and had a look. They were only launching and they were about to have, they were about to do some renovations. So I went to the opening party. It was full of just guys, you know, with uh, headphones on. Not really my scene, very blokey, but I still went, had a look. Um, I didn't envisage myself working from there. It wasn't the kind of environment for me. But my reaction to things like this is what could I do better? So rather than just thinking it's not for me, I thought if I did come here, what could I do to help attract more people like me? So um, there was a job going to manage the events and marketing for the space. So I applied for the job, got the job, started the next week, and then uh, from there just got more and more involved because that's how I, if, when, once I'm in, I'm in like 200%. I can't really, 
it's hard to get rid of me after a while. So. <laughs> and you've proved that. You've been there and now you're the CEO, which is yes, incredible. That's true. Yeah. So can you tell us, you must know, because you started the marketing from five years ago, mm -hmm. what do you think makes River City Labs the place that it is and how does it differentiate from its competitors? Because um, this is all about uh, creating brands, so we want to know how you really did that. Look, it's our culture and it's our people. So and the people who are part of River City Labs, and that's not always staff. So there's a lot of people who associate with River City Labs. We've got some amazing people who keep dedicating their time and energy uh, to River City Labs in the community, and that is what makes up what we are. So it's that, it's like the epicenter of um, startup activity, and that's really around the culture of giving, giving first, and also being there for the right reasons. So people are there because they actually want to be there. They feel that there's value to be gained by being there or sharing a connection or sharing a story or learning something or sharing one of their personal experiences that will help someone else learn something. So it, it is quite amazing the strength of the brand because it wasn't set out to, to be that. It was set out to be a co-working space, which we worked as a crap model and it does not work financially just to rent space. So we had to make it about everything other than that, and that's what Ruby City Lab is about, everything other than space. And it's, it's very much about the value that connecting with people at the right level, that are like-minded, that you like being around, and the value that that brings. Yeah. So let's take a step back to that first sort of week of being the general manager in charge of marketing. You're in River City Labs in the Valley, and fairly, like it's not a huge space, that, but it's, it's big enough. <laughs> yeah. And you fast forward, to now being part mm. of the precinct, which is this behemoth, multi-level beast mm. in the valley, and it's just wonderful. As a CEO, how do you manage the growth from that small, you know, handful of startups of what essentially was a co-working space? Mm. How do you manage the growth, and how do you know when to press go on certain things to make it what it is now, this incredible partnership with government and a whole heap of other VC and different organisations? Look, that is a big question and it is something that I'm still learning. So, yes, I went from marketing manager to, to general manager, so I didn't come straight in as general okay. manager, um, and then left on maternity leave and came back as, as CEO, and then had to learn what that meant, and then learn what the organisation needed to be able to grow into the next stage. Um, so for me, it's it's been a personal um, journey and understanding what value it is that I can bring to the organisation which it always comes back to people and relationships and as a CEO it is very much who can we connect with that's going to add value to the community to the business um, but also to all of the members as well and to keep looking forward so we've always been able to um, work with companies which so partners here locally in Brisbane and and they see value in that because we may bring some insight into what's coming in the future, future trends, different trends around the world. So we, um, with Startup Catalyst, tap into hotspots globally to understand what those markets are doing. So we send delegations there. Um, but with that, we can bring back all the stories and experience from those locations, which we can then go and talk to our partners about and share that knowledge of what's happening around the world, where they need to be, what are the trends that are coming and are happening right now and what's relevant, but also for startups to help expand their mindset to understand that we're all playing on a global scale here, so they need to get their own mindset right if they want to play on a global scale as well. So I think it's very much about keep looking forward, keep nurturing what's there, because you can't just forget what's there. In the humble beginnings, we have to maintain that culture. 
make sure we're surrounded by the right people and partner with the right people. And then also think of what strategy we need to get us to where we need to be. Mm, amazing. So you just talked about um, some of the startups that are in the space and playing on a global level. Can you tell us about some of the stories of the startups that are in there now, who they are, who are doing amazing things? And <clears throat> this is one of the questions that I get asked the most. And most people you know, want to hear the story of the, of, the, of the big win or the acquisition or the huge capital raise. And there are some of those stories, but it is, again, it comes down to the people in their journey. So, and, and the thing with the startups in the space is some of them aren't positive stories or they're not happy stories. So embracing both sides of entrepreneurship is, is super important and that is what makes um, the founders fit in and feel like they're part of something because not everyone's going to have that global expansion story even though it's amazing when they do. But there's the ones who have you know, just gone through a marriage breakup, um, who have just had kids and trying to work out how to juggle that life of not earning anything in their startup and then still keep their partner and wife happy at home who's running what the hell they're doing working on a startup day in day out and not earning a dollar. Um, but then you do get the ones who have just raised capital and maybe expanding into a, you know, a, a global location or into another country or they're working remotely and they've got teams in six different countries. So there's such a broad range of startups doing different things in their working in different markets. But then you've got the brand newbies who are coming in who are hell-bent on executing on their idea and how can we best help them keep um, their spirits up and sort of give them enough encouragement and support to, to kick off something from the, from the very beginning right through to someone who's coming back for the third or fourth time. They've had a few failures, <laughs> they've got a few war wounds, they know exactly what they're doing but they still might need help and introduction into a certain area or or into a, um, a connection into uh, VC or Angel or someone like that. But look, the team's in there at the moment. We've got our own accelerator kicking off. So we do the River City Labs Accelerator for six months of the year, which is something we do in partnership with Murudi, which is backed by Telstra. Applications are open at the moment. So we're looking for 10 um, globally scalable teams to come in for the next six months. We also have the Unearthed Accelerator, which is focused on the mining and resources sector. They're in at River City Labs at the moment. They're, that's a six-month program, so there's quite a few different teams executing in that sector. The um, Slingshot Accelerator for the tourism, travel, hospitality sector coming in. They kick off in the next month or so. That's called Horizons. That's backed by Brisbane Airport Corporation. So there's people on programs, and then you've got the individual entrepreneurs in there as well. So a lot of our officers are our alumni from the last accelerator program. So you've got the guys at Sightsee, you've got Maxwell MRI, you've got Second Lease in there, you've got Capiche, he's not an alumni of the program but he's in there, he works on big data. Um, there is a lot of different teams doing lots of different things. We've got a company in there called Fit Jeans, they're quite an established startup. You've got the um, uh, R&D team who are from Simpro Software, that's a massive startup which is based out of Technology Park. Yeah, huge, huge good story as well. Yeah, huge, so they've got story. their R&D guys sitting in there developing stuff out of Ruby Labs because they value the environment of sitting in, in a space like that um, surrounded by other entrepreneurs. So they put that team in there remotely and we met with the business development manager who's expanded into the UK when we were in London uh, not so long ago from London Tech Week. So there is um, a really diverse group of and people. And how do you get your mind across all those industries? Because that just must be mind-boggling. 
It is, and I feel embarrassed sometimes when, I, when there's members and I don't know their name and I don't know what they're working on because I used to, I used to know everyone because I used to do the tour, I used to get them their <laughs> membership card and, and sort of follow their journey. So I try to keep across who's in there. Um, one for the for this opportunity, so you can tell stories about them and help share their journey, but also just for the benefit of of them and being able to interact with them on on a personal level too. So. I do rely now heavily on the staff to fill me in on what's going on and who's yeah. in there. The barriers to um, entering a startup or kicking off their startups are obviously a lot less than they were. What are the bigger challenges now that we've got this ecosystem, we've got support? What are the what are the bigger challenges that are you know top level stuff for these guys coming in? Oh look, any founder needs to look at what they're working on and I think is this a big enough problem that they're solving. We've got a lot of talented people, we've got amazing developers, we've got great people who are coming out from the business world who have got um, experience in, in business development and commercialization, um, we've got some great quality CEOs but are they working on something that's big enough? So let's stop playing around with the small great fun app ideas that or double-sided marketplaces which does everyone's head in um, in terms of trying to onboard customers on both sides. But are they working on something that's going to fundamentally change or transform an industry or fundamentally change or transform an organisation and, and provide a whole new direction for them and to be able to compete on the global scale? So from day one, if they, they need to look at their market and competition at a global level to understand what, what the true competition looks like and also what the size of the market is and what the opportunity is like. Is it big enough? Is it worth tackling? Do they have the right skill set? So I think going right back to basics and looking at that. But then also, are they building something that someone wants is the biggest thing. And secondly, do they want to pay for it? There's no point going and doing any of these activities if it's just a nice idea or something cool that you think's worth playing around with or executing on and then all of a sudden having this amazing looking product that no one's downloading or using. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't need to be pretty. It doesn't need to be perfect. Just get it to market. Test it. Talk to your customers every single day prioritise that, get the feedback, see if they want to pay for it, and then tackle the rest. How often does that, does that happen, where you get the person or the company in who's got the, the idea that's just not? You know what, it's getting better. <laughs> uh, we used to have a lot of it, and I think they're just general evolution of an ecosystem and more knowledge sharing of people's stories. I think a lot of new founders are understanding of what they need to do to get to the first early stages of traction and getting a basic MVP up and running and, and how important that is and that you don't need to be, you have all the brightest, shiniest, you know, best looking products to do that but you just need to um, know the basics, you need to execute but always talk to your customers. So we've seen less of it but it still exists. And, and that's why spaces like us exist and the support of the ecosystem. We, there is no shortage of this knowledge either online or in the community, no matter where you are. There are that many events on, you can totally overdose on startup knowledge and, and information if you wanted to. There's something I do on, that on the week, I yeah. <laughs> There is something on every single day of the week, not just here, uh, not at Ruby Labs, but anywhere in the ecosystem, any of those spaces. There is content flying around left, right and centre, you just need to choose what you want to learn and then go and seek the knowledge or connect with people. It's all there. And how critical have those events been for River City Labs to build your audience, I suppose? It's been the number one driver for us. We don't actually do any marketing or advertising and never have. One, we're not for profit and have no money to do that. So 
uh, we've had to just share the knowledge and tell stories and marketing for us has been the events so it's been a massive funnel for us of people coming in and capturing and we, we learn from them too so we need to understand what people don't know so we can help provide the content and also just to connect with them and make them feel part of something so yeah huge part for us yeah, awesome. Um, we're nearly out of time. I've just got a couple more questions before we get to the big little white lie, which I'm not sure uh, <laughs> Brittany's filled you in on yet. But um, River City Labs' own Steve Baxter is now the Queensland Chief Entrepreneur, or will be soon. Yes. That's awesome. That is such a huge step for like something that started as a you know a co-working space to have someone yeah. like that. So what kind of impacts that going to have for River City Labs? Is that announced? <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think Steve announced it yeah, on Twitter did. actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it was the worst kept secret ever. Um, <laughs> look, it is amazing. It's good for him. The thing about it is Steve's been doing this for a long time. He's been giving giving as an individual entrepreneur for a long time now. Yes, as part of River City Labs, but you know, he doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to leave his young family each night and go and talk at someone's event or judge an awards, but he does because he wants to and he understands the value in doing that. So the fact that he'll actually have a role which uh, encapsulates that and actually puts into into a formal role is, is amazing. And look, everyone, you, th there's a love-hate relationship with Steve. He's extremely real. Um, there's no grey area. It's, it's very much black or white and you will never wonder what he's thinking because he'll more than be happy to, to, to let you know about it, which is a great thing. Honesty is, is great in this industry. So I think it's fantastic for him. I think it's fantastic for Queensland. Um, the difficult thing for me is going to be trying to make sure he stays downstairs, which is in the office of the Chief Entrepreneur and not keep coming up to Ruby Labs uh, too much, but I think he'll be super busy. Sure. And I mean, so many of the partners and businesses that he works with, you can hear them talk about him every day saying mm. how he's on email, he's on the phone, he loves delving into their books and telling them where they're spending or not spending enough yeah. on. And it's, it sounds like, you know, you couldn't have a more qualified person for that job. Well, I mean, look, we always said at one of the original, you know, startup working groups, we identified that there was a need for a chief entrepreneur um, in an actual role. Um, that they needed to have come from the sector and they need to have that hands-on experience themselves. There's no point in having some sort of a, a consultant who's, who thinks they know what they're talking about. You need someone who's lived it. So yes, look, he's absolutely lived it, but he enjoys being there. So that's that's also a super amazing bonus for everybody. Totally. And I'm sure he, um, he knows what he's getting himself into because yes. he's good mates with uh, our yeah. mate, Mark Zarvey. <laughs> so um, it'll be, he's got big shoes to fill, but I'm sure yes. he will. Um, and just talking about kind of like what that's going to look like for the next 12 months and you guys are a tech startup space mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit? I guess we're running out of time But uh, a little bit about how techs really change like you're saying you're changing or solving global problems How have the problems changed that we have with tech and like what kind of tech do we need to solve them? Oh, look, it's it comes back to again the users, the younger generations, and people's expectations. So everybody, the more we, the more we as humans rely on tech, um, the bigger requirements are on tech. Meaning that the more like we consume so much data, we expect everything to be instant. Um, younger generations are, are more immune to it and, and used to it. It's second nature to them. So how can we deliver information or services or products faster to everybody? And also the way that they interact. I mean, we, we work, with, work with a lot of banks and um, it's concerning that they're still trying to work out how to be the best bank rather than how can we change the relationship of individuals with their money. 
So let's think about that. I mean, I always talk about having a life subscription. Why don't we have a subscription to life? <laughs> so if you subscribe, we subscribe to everything else. There's music, entertainment, right? It just happens. We just consume it when we need it. And there's a subscription. Same with money, fuel, all of it. There should be subscription. We should access it whenever we want. We don't actually need those physical, huge locations that are traditional businesses. So look, it's, it's transforming the way that we live and I think the technology um, will keep advancing as, as humans advance and, and the way that we need to consume that information and data and systems and processes. Yeah, and, and those, obviously, oh, sorry. sorry, those big industries are the hardest ones to disrupt because it's so embedded and it's too hard to change anything or so they think. And But here, like blockchain and everything, it's going to, if they don't catch up, yeah. they won't be around. And, and again, <laughs> it comes back to working with customers, spend time with them, spend time, like, deeply with the customers and understanding how they how they live life not just how they use your products but how are they living life and how could you in your organization help either that become easier or more accessible yeah and it's it sounds like it's obviously more about startups and small founders switching on the lamp from a different angle mm. to, to see how they can disrupt the problem as well so yeah, so. yeah incredibly good stuff all right we're nearly out of time but the little white lie <laughs> What have you got? Have you got a corker for us? Something juicy, something not so juicy, something that's not going to burn your house down or anything uh, like that? Well, look, I could, yeah, it's, I thought, which one shall I tell? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's, and it is a bit embarrassing, but look, you've got to do what you've got to do sometimes. Um, when I was in my, in my PR business, um, I was very much the main person that most people wanted to interact with. And when I was pregnant with my first child, I lost a few clients because they saw a pregnant woman come to the meetings and thought, well, we're not going to be there for an important part um, of, of the project. So we did lose some clients, which was pretty crap when you think about it. It's very um, crap, The fact yeah. you can't go on maternity leave or you can't hand it off to your staff. So th there was a meeting and we had a massive project that we were pitching for that I almost, it, we needed it to, to exist, obviously. Um, and... I, I was pregnant and I was asked the question in the meeting and unfortunately I lied and said, which is awful to say to my unborn child, that I had actually lost the baby but I was still carrying the, oh. the weight. Oh my God. Um, oh my God. So that wild. I could get... The, You're like, no, this is an optical <laughs> illusion. It's an illusion of the but, but because it was such a sensitive issue, no one asked any more questions after that. Sure. So yeah, I did wow. have to... I did play on the emotional... And then what about the next nine months when you just... Well, like, no, just no I, had it, I had a team ready to go, so it yeah. was fine, but... You just had to get them over the line. To get across the line, I and did how have ridiculous. to... I thought you were going to say, you like, oh, I'll send... Yeah, I'll be there sort of thing, and you just send someone else <laughs> who looks like you, with, like, brown. <laughs> You're like, hi, I'm Peter. It had been a bad week, and I thought, right, I just need to pull out... I'm not dealing with it. <laughs> yeah, and nor should you. It's like probably one of those breaking points where you're like, stuff it. I'm just doing what I it's want terrible. to do. It's terrible. It's really bad. I, I love awful. it. Thank you so much and, for spilling the beans on that. I feel embarrassed that we did, I did reveal that publicly, but... Anyway, you've got to do what you've got to do in business, right? To get you money. do. <laughs> that's totally. It, that's it. Peter Ellis, Chief Executive Officer of River City Labs. Thank you for coming on the Telltale Podcast. Thank you for having me. No troubles at all. Every week, Brittany, the co-host. And remember, folks, tell your brand tale. Telltale is part of the Content Division Podcast Network. You can subscribe on iTunes or stream it from the contentdivision.com.au forward slash podcast. There you